All right, everyone, I want you to stand up right now. Take out your phones. Take a selfie with your neighbor. It's time to get social. Welcome to the first recap episode of Amazing Race 28 of the ULT Number Podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me, as always, is the Canadian who sadly no longer makes funny videos, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. And the lady who is always aware of when it's a bad time to be in the horn section, Michelle Fistenovan. <laughs> Good morning. And I quite liked this episode. I liked it more than I was expecting to. It wasn't the worst premiere I've ever seen. It was Amazing Race 15 and Amazing Race 26 had worse uh, season premieres than this one. I think this is one of the best ones of recent memory, because the tasks were actually decent. I was quite surprised with how good the detail was, especially for a very stereotypical one as, as it was. And apparently these 22 people are the world's biggest social influencers. That is actually how Phil described them. That's how Phil's daughter described them. And according to the video, the race covers 18 cities, 10 countries, and 27,000 miles, which, as we pointed out last time, is 8,000 shorter than uh, last season was. At the end of the season, somebody needs to calculate and make sure it is 27,000 miles and really hold Phil to what he says. And you know, if it, and if it's slightly off, if it's 26 or 28,000 miles, then, you know, just bring the freaking hammer down on him, man. Have you never seen the reality fan wiki, I think it is? There's a Wikipedia that actually works out the exact amount of miles between each place. Oh, wow. And did they confirm that it is indeed 27,000 miles? Well, they will include all the distance between the locations and everything. So like the 60-minute cab ride between uh, the detour and the roadblock this time, they would actually count those miles as being part of the 27,000 miles if if they said it was 27,000 miles. Why would someone decide to do that? Because people on the internet have far too much time on their hands. Hence this entire cast, Michelle. Seriously. This sounds... Oh my this, gosh. That's, that sounds even more tedious than my uh, Tar- Tarstorian project over the past five years. <laughs> you, you seem to be getting quite a lot of good feedback for your Tarstorian project. Yes. Been very positively. All the hate, all the hatred is just directed towards you, Michael, which really uh, balances uh, things out. But if this were pro wrestling, I get to be the face, and you would be the heel. Yeah, it makes it funnier that actually all the hate was directed towards your Twitter. I just saw it and laughed. Yeah, whatever. We're we're all good friends now. And um, of course, all the teams are already color coded because apparently, according to Bernie on uh, Reddit, they did believe that they were doing like press photos. They pulled the Survivor Pearl Islands on them, which is amazing. Nobody was in a scouting outfit like Lil, so missed opportunity there for producers. Having said that, Cole and Sherry both shared the duties of a Lil and cried all the time. It was weird that intro part with, because that's never usually, well not usually, always. 
you know, the start is always at the starting line of the season with Bill and you're tucked away somewhere in Los Angeles. But here it's just their homes and it turns into one of those crappy reality shows I typically ignore, like if something out of Extreme Makeover Home Edition where everyone just cries and says goodbye to their families for, you know, for several minutes before things start to get rolling. It's like the an American adaptation of international reality show, shows where they make it ten times unnecessarily over-the-top emotional, and, it, and that can alienate some viewers. It was basically the love child of Survivor Pearl Island's opening and the opening to any season of American Big Brother, and Canadian Big Brother, actually. Minus the I don't understand plot. why anyone was crying. I mean, I'd be like, hey, bye, see ya. <laughs> I'm really excited I'm out the door. <laughs> like, why crying? My parents always yeah. make fun of the family visits in Survivor because they say, oh, they've only been gone for a month at a time, and they find that to be a complete joke in here. Teams don't even have to be sequestered in a hotel for a week. They get to run around the world for 21 days, and after doing a bit more research on Twitter and watching the episode with various teams recognizing each other, except for Marty and Hagen, they're essentially running the race with their own kind and their own friends. So, you know, what's there's not there's not much true emotion there. They're with people that they know and clearly care about. I was interested with Sherry and Cole's goodbye bit. Because her kids must have all known. Traditionally, Amazing Race teams are allowed to tell one person as an emergency contact that they are going. She told, like, at least five other people. Which may be why they, uh, CBS actually confirmed the cast list straight away. Because that is a, a rather large allowance for CBS to make. Imagine if this happened mm. with, like, the Duggar family. I mean, that means, like, 20 to 30 people in that house would have known <laughs> if any of them were on the Amazing Race. And apparently Tokels and Corey are movie heroes as well. Yeah, they are. I mean, two seconds into the race and, you know, Tokels is already getting an autograph request. That was quick. Yeah, thankfully so So does Bernie. And Bernie is more emotional, so I'll let them off with that. You know, with this with this episode, the reason, like, I, I went on to the official Amazing Race Facebook page, which is usually about 75% negative comments, but after the premiere it was about 99%. And I think a huge part of that was the whole alienation of the of the longtime viewers, because with this season, with using social media stars who all know each other, it feels like very much like a cool kids club of some sort, and it sort of makes it their season, but not necessarily the season for the viewer. And it's a good thing that at the start, they just pile teams into taxis rather than like limos to get to the airport. Otherwise, viewers would have been that much more angry. Apparently, uh, only Bernie and Zach and Blair and Tokels had met before. And Bernie and Zach was only for lunch, apparently. Uh, I don't know, because I, I thought I saw on Twitter with that the dancers knew the Instagram models or something like that, or that they had at least interacted online. Yeah, that, that's what Bernie had said on, uh, on Reddit. He was basically doing a pseudo-AMA yesterday during the live reaction thread. Yeah, like, they're really... That's another thing with this season. They're really trying to use all these contestants to promote the show as much as possible when you have Bernie and Ashley just hanging out on Reddit for, you know, for over an hour or so, and then all the other people trying to use whatever social media influence they have to try and bring in their fans to keep watching. What'll be interesting to see is, as these teams die off on the show, is if the viewership gets retained or if or just how much of a percentage of the current ratings is just people glued to the specific team that they're rooting for. Also, thanks, sweet baby Jesus, they've got rid of the hashtags. 
I do not mind them having the Twitter handles in the lower third, but they were shoehorning the hashtags in, so thank God they've gone. You weren't a fan of those, were you? Hashtag mom-daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hashtag the dating couple. After two seasons, we were scraping to the green team, when there are so many better names to call Justin and Diana, and in fact there were so many more fruity names that people on Twitter did call them. And a shout-out to Justin and Joey, by the way, because I know they'll be listening. You know what was great? is with Kurt and Brody. I mean, they didn't have too many highlights with this episode other than being able to combine to scream louder than, to be louder than 350 mariachi performers. But some, those shots they did with the Frisbees are extremely impressive. And one of the best intro shots I've ever seen with the, with the, with the flinging it up and then catching it, as opposed to, you know, Isaac and William in the Amazing Race Asia 3, where they have the lamest shot of all time, where it's just one of them kicking up a soccer ball and smiling for the camera. The intro is something we need to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) I have about ten notes on the intro just going, what have they done? Yeah. (laughs) You didn't like uh, sharing Cole just randomly appearing out of the hedges? (laughs) I love that! (laughs) It's one of my favourites ever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, Brit- Brittany and Jessica's walk to the camera and sped it up, it looked really funny. Um, and Cole asked the driver to drive them to Mexico as well. Maybe their cab driver is a mule and then it, that makes it easier to, you know, ch- to uh, smuggle yourself across the border. I've seen the Mexican border. Is there a giant wall there? Not yet. Paid by the Mexican government? There was a giant air force base there. Um, at the start of every season or in the first seasons recap i love talking about the the new intros because some of the intro shots are always ridiculous nothing will ever beat the confetti cannon and cheerleading team from amazing race australia 2 which is (laughs) maybe the greatest thing i've ever seen on the amazing race and logan i cannot wait for you to get to that because it's wonderful but yeah sherry and cole jumping out from behind the hedge and cole having such a creepy smile was glorious he's got a million kinds of smiles have you noticed (laughs) yes Another great thing that I loved was Ashley's completely unchanging face during hers and Bernie's entire bit, like five seconds. She does not blink. She does not move. It is wonderful. (laughs) I'm very disappointed at the lack of simultaneous head turns because we had Tiffany and Chris's awesome one last season. I know, there was none. I thought, oh my God, Michael would be so disappointed. I mean, even Canada 2 had Charlotte and Nabila's glorious one. All you have to do is just do one simultaneous head turn, just as a Terranian memorial. You know, it could be that Tiffany and Krista just had the bar raised way too high, and no and no one no one wanted to compete with that. It's like, what, a hair flick and a, and a head turn at the same time? Game over, man. And, yeah, as, as Logan said earlier, Curtin... Kurt and Brody's frisbee trick was actually legitimately impressive, and I know Ben has described it as one of the best intro shots he's ever seen. But I hate the text revolving around them. I think that looks really tacky. It's very distracting. The whole point of it is to have ridiculous simultaneous head turns and things that they're doing with each other, not to have you be distracted by their names. But Sherry and Cole jumping out from the hiding place makes makes up for it because that is just pure ridiculousness. Uh, and we found out that Tyler and Corey are apparently super fans. We're all yeah. super fans in our hearts. Tokels and Corey have <laughs> apparently seen every single episode. And Dana and Matt get the traditional confessional of a, oh, this relationship is make or break on the race. I, I liked uh, Matt's French pronunciation of the of the Spanish uh, 
locations. Revolution! Going back to the Joe Batista uh, French rap memorial task, or alternatively the stunt, uh, the biplane task from that same leg as well. Liberté, Egalité, Fraternité. Uh, and it looks like the team's actually got a clue to rip after the video as well, because they all got additional information. At least it wasn't like... It would have been funny if it was just a virtual clue that they try to rip in half on their smartphone, or on their or on the selfie, or have, have it somehow appear on the selfie cam, and then their selfie cam is just completely ruined. Yeah, I'm assuming those Lumias are the selfie cams, again. Oh yes, the same device, I gotcha. See, I only have a flip phone, so I, I can't comprehend the idea of having a, a high-tech camera be on the same device as a smartphone. Yeah, maybe the selfie memory task will come back. Yeah, that's that's the one switchback that everyone's just craving for. That and that and hay bales. If hay bales can be a switchback, then uh, we can't put it past oh, producers that the selfie stick will be, uh, or that the selfie pictures will be a switchback as well. Did either of you notice that Blair sounds so much like Haley, especially at the start of the episode? Yes. Oh no, not so much. It's not Haley. Bit, yeah. Heidi. Heidi from Survivor. Blair sounds exactly like Heidi from Survivor. It is, it's eerie. It's uncanny. She sounded really like Haley at the start as well. And, and I never expected that the first team to make a sex tape joke <laughs> would be the father-daughter team. <laughs> that was the point that I fell in love with Scott and Blair. Yeah. <laughs> not, not that like, type of video, not... Daddy. <laughs> Oh, the one amusing thing about Dana and Matt's relationship, say, you know, they've been engaged for so long. They said that they've been engaged for three years, and the only other people I know that have been engaged for that long is Pam and Roy from The Office. So, so things may not be looking good for their future. I, I don't know. Their wedding dance will, be, will have some pretty sweet moves. <laughs> yes. Yeah, if their wedding dance video does not go viral, I'll be very disappointed in them. And um, Cole apparently makes funny videos... And I have literally no notes on Zach and Rachel because they are way too normal for the race. I don't know, those, those, you know, he was surfing on a toilet. There were some impressive vines, and I think he actually had the most clips used in the preamble before Phil said, this is Mexico City. I think there was about three or four of Zach's videos. Yeah, there was the slip and slide and him, uh, you know, destroying plates on the table by sliding across that as well as if he were secretly Greek. And the Dalmatian. Oh, yeah. Who was hitchhiking? Who did the hitchhiking bit? Was that him that, too? That, that was Jack as well, yeah. It's oh. so good. They're so good. They mess with my brain. <laughs> uh, and Kurt and Brody apparently deal with hot chicks all the time because they're frisbee guys and they are very confident. So they get taken down a peg. Uh, Brittany and Jessica obviously are going to use their looks because that's what they get paid for. And impossibly the most confusing slash funny scene of the entire preamble up to the airports. Cole seems to believe in polyamory. Yes. Polyg yes. Uh, polygamy is not dead. Chivalry might be dead, but not polygamy. Apparently Cole is going to be taking part in Sister Wives fairly soon. Yes. Here's Cole and four Instagram models. Cole could become the new Hugh Hefner. Yes. he can. He, I mean, the Playboy Mansion is up for sale. So, I mean, all he has to do is get his followers to raise enough money for him, and it's his for the taking. Minus the Playboy Mansion, I believe, is also known for a lot of dog urine. But, you know, you just have to, I guess, replace the flooring and it'll all be good. Former Amazing Race start line, Playboy Mansion, thank you very much. Yes, Amazing Race 12, what up? Did you guys see the, when they put on the uh, viral flight video, do you remember watching that when it was originally out? 
Nope. No. That our Sky Princess did. Um, yeah, I, I, Sky I remember for that. That was big. Oh, goddess. Sorry, not princess. <laughs> Go up a peg. Um, yeah, that was really good. You should watch it. It was funny. Having said that, the best thing about that entire video was Darius's reaction to blatantly never having heard of it. Yeah, that was my favourite scene probably from the whole episode. small talk was like, oh, do you guys make YouTube videos? Well, my mum does. She she had a flight video uh, go viral. Oh, I've heard of it. Mm, of course you have, mate. It was more like, oh yeah, I, I, remember, I remember hearing about that. And then you wait for Martin Hagen to walk away and then Darius be like, damn, <laughs> what video are they referring to? I have no Just idea. Play along. Just play along, bro. <laughs> and once teams fly to Mexico City, they have to find Phil at the Monument of the Revolution. And, of course, this being a social media mogul season, it's being live-streamed on Facebook. Yeah, I didn't bother watching it because I heard it was, it was, it's just really, it was just really boring because Phil said a lot of the teams were getting lost on the way to the clue box, and then... I guess they all just run, rush there at the same time, and that's it for the live stream. It's pretty uneventful. They, um, with the live stream, they did have to do one thing to camera, um, that to answer a question or, or say something to camera, say hello to their, say hello to the live viewers. So they all did that, um, which wasn't shown on the show. And I am going to take the opportunity here to answer a couple of your questions uh, because we had two very similar themed questions um, one from Mark Doyle who said how did four flights from four different cities arrive at the same time were they held at the airport till all flights were in and our very own Cameron Johnson says uh, so everyone left from their house is the presumption that everyone lives in LA otherwise this strikes me as being blatantly unfair and if you haven't seen Cam's preseason survival blogs go to RTV Warriors website because she's done a bloody good job on them and I actually know the answer to this apparently all teams got in, or all the flights got in within a 40-minute period, and the additional info in the clue mandated that they had to wait for the last flight to arrive before being able to leave the airport. And now this is why you see 11 teams all running together with Brody or Kurt uh, sliding about 10 feet on the floor. Great slide. Must be a clean floor. Having said that, did you notice that Brody already has his knee strapped up? Well, Ultimate Frisbee is a really physical game, like... There's an annual Ultimate Frisbee tournament that's held in my, held where I live each year. And there are some brutal injuries. Because all you're doing is, you're probably running as much as you do in a game of soccer. But there's a lot more collisions with other people. And it can get pretty uh, pretty uh, violent overall in terms of just the injuries that occur. He's going into the season with his knee straps up. And as was pointed out probably about half an hour ago to me, Amy off of Maya ran the race with like two broken feet basically and kelsey ran the last leg of last season with a broken tailbone what when you know when she fell from macau roadblock thing yeah she broke her tailbone and ran the last leg with a broken tailbone hence why she was running for (laughs) there's dedication for you yes thank you to joey for actually pointing that out to me because yeah that happened Jessica and Brittany are the first to greet Phil, I suppose, but they completely Not first to the clue box. Yeah, they ignore the clue box because, you know, they were way too distracted with flirting with Phil. And Kurt Brody are the first to find the detour. We still read the the pilot bit with Jessica and Brittany, 
where the pilot invited them to the cockpit to uh, film that scene with the hats on. Who, who, who knew that Instagram models would be invited by the pilot to the cockpit? I didn't think anyone was allowed in the cockpit in America now because of all your, because of the issues. A hundred percent. It's probably like that. a model plane. Oh, <laughs> no, no pun intended. No pun intended. And apparently Alabama doesn't have taxis. Cole said a lot of stupid shit this episode. So yeah, the detour, which is Mariachi Madness or Great Bulls of Fire. And in Mariachi Madness, teams must search amongst 350 musicians playing mariachi music to find the one who isn't actually playing their instrument. When they find one who isn't playing, they receive their next clue when they exchange them for the ransom money with the guy outside the museum, evidently. And in Great Bulls of Fire, teams must build a torito, a bull made of papier-mâché, and a frame loaded with fireworks and set it alight to receive their next clue, which, of course, led to a wonderful scene with Bernie and Ashley. And for some reason, every single team runs to their detour site. I don't know whether that was mandated in the clue or not, but it was like two miles. It would suck if you're Stephen D from The Amazing Race Sport, because then you would never be able to do uh, any part of the mandated clues. And Kurt and Brody are the only team that we see kidnapping the wrong mariachi musician. After screaming at the whole crowd, too. They were louder <laughs> than 350 mariachi players. Well, 349, but... That is, that's crazy. May I point out that this is one of the best detour options for a long while. This was yeah, such a good task. Yeah, the task was really neat. You've got to give them credit for that. I rarely say this with the Amazing Race podcast anymore, but whoever came up with that task deserves a pay rise. Because that was awesome. It looked absolutely amazing. Just from the visuals. That is how you do a cultural task on the Amazing Race and how it should be done. I wonder if those mariachi players were borrowed from Celebrity Mall Yucatan. None of them were playing Tiny Bubbles, though, so I'm very disappointed. <laughs> yeah, one guy is just completely doing his own thing playing Tiny Bubbles. May I point out that during the off-season, I did read Reflections of the Mole, so I do have Mole 2 on my brain. <laughs> but yeah, it was visually stunning, it was how you do your cultural task without being insensitive towards anyone, and it was hilarious, because we had Curtin Brody screaming over 300... 45-ish musicians. Most of them screamed, who's not playing? Or there's something to that effect. I'm like, well, why? Why are you doing that? You just look stupid. I think they might have thought that someone would really <laughs> sort of... Call out. Call out uh, and go, me. Or, or just sort of raise an eyebrow and give them a hint. <laughs> but yeah, it was the choice between a great task, one of the best tasks they've ever done as a detour, or at least in recent memory, and a visually stunning, ridiculous task that was way too hard for a detour. And Great Balls of Fire literally takes place in a parking garage, which takes our mockery of the pit stop from the first leg of 26 to a whole new level. Yes. I think Brittany becomes about the fifth or sixth racer in Amazing Race history to quote Ricky Bobby. On the subject of Brittany, I must point out that in the original video of the titles that were released, her name was spelt wrong. They corrected it for the actual final version, but it was spelt wrong in the uh, the original version. Is that like with uh, Joe and Kelsey uh, not having their profession as news reporters spelled correctly, where it was, uh, oh, was it like... It was reporters, wasn't it? Yeah, news reporters. <laughs> news Harry Potters. <laughs> Connor, the Connor John and Jonathan edition of The Amazing Race. The irony here is that I did say I would give a shout-out to Justin and Joey on their live video, but we are actually mentioning them organically as well, which is quite funny. <laughs> yes. And 
Ashley gets the MVP of the episode from me for saying that she's seen a bunch of bulls being castrated. That wasn't fun. I wonder if Brian and Cynthia were there for that. Is she going to be a, a snark knight here? Is she just going to... Is Bernie just going to be the sort of attention magnet of their team? And I use that term loosely because I very much like Bernie and Ashley. But is she just going to be the sort of sniping one in the background who doesn't speak that much, but when she does, it's like comedy gold. Yeah, just that really sharp wit that just, you know, cuts through. Cuts through like a castrated bull. And yes, Brian and Cynthia should have been there for that task because they've never castrated a bull before. High eyebrow. And I don't think uh, Brian and Cynthia have milked a castrated bull before either. I miss Brian and Cynthia. They're so much fun. If you haven't been keeping on on top of Ben's Hall of Fame from last year's reality TV, he's just done the Brian and Cynthia one, and it is just sums them up so wonderfully. I slightly disagree with his placement in Nick and Sabrina. They should have been a lot higher, but that's just me because, you know, I love Nick and Sabrina. And Ben's not here to defend himself, so, you know, Nick and Sabrina should, should have been higher. Top five for Nick and Sabrina, please. And did you notice that even Bernie's watch was colour-coordinated? No, but that is a good catch. They were wearing ye- all yellow, and yeah, Bernie's watch has a yellow strap as well. wonder if that was just spray-painted spray painted on. It's the things that I noticed at half eight in the morning when I'm watching uh, episodes on a train. <laughs> I'm glad you're paying attention to the racer's wrists, uh, Michael. Yeah, mm-hmm. someone has to. And according to Durr, uh it's a bad time to be in the horn section as well, which did actually make me laugh. I wonder how much of their hearing uh, they lost uh, during that task, having to have horns blowing right into their eardrums. I know we like to comment on the fact that they put some sort of broadly cultural piece of music over the credits. I quite liked the mariachi song. I love it. It didn't get irritating to me, which is rare for one of the sort of music-themed details. The French rap one got a little bit irritating after I had to hear Denise. I love Denise, but after I had to hear her slightly murder it repeatedly it got a little bit much whereas the mariachi music was actually quite nice and Brittany and jessica's agencies would love them to vomit oh the, the social media reaction to that statement was hilarious have you got a lot of material by any chance for the uh the complaints blog next week yes because with jessica and Brittany, the thing you have to understand that i get from the first episode is that they are extremely sarcastic people and the funny thing is, is that lots of viewers of The Amazing Race do not comprehend sarcasm. So they are taking them at their word that Jessica and Brittany are talking to all of the, you know, kids there that uh, are watching at home that want to be inspired and telling them, if you want to make it in the modeling industry, you got to vomit, you got to puke, you got to purge. I know I was hard on them in the preview, not entirely undeserved given their reaction, but that did li- actually make me laugh. I understood the sarcasm from them. And yeah, Bernie and Ashley nearly die. Yeah, that, that was a rogue firecracker. <laughs> they, they said that that was legitimately scary. Could you imagine just somebody being burned alive on the first leg? <laughs> it's amazing. Race Saw edition. <laughs> Come join me in Mexico City. I want to play a game. Or with Blair. She, she might be the one orchestrating it. Because she she's the one one of the people that had to explain the task, and she's like, "Well, with this detour, you make it cute, then you light it on fire. That's wonderful, Blair." I was very disappointed that at no point did Scott say, "You never listen to me, Blair." You gotta wait for the race to progress a bit more, Michael, and then it, then then the tension will build up. Maybe I'm just sort of pre-programmed that any time someone has a partner named Blair, that they're gonna get shouted at and t- claim that they never listen to them. I, I don't know. 
Uh, so yeah, Kurt and Brody are the first to leave Mariachi, with Durr and the Drooler in second, uh, Dana and Matt in third, Sherry and Cole in fourth, and Zach and Rachel in fifth. And then Tokels and Corey leave Bulls in sixth, with Martin and Hagen in seven, uh, Bernie and Ashley in eight, Scott and Blair in nine, Brittany and Jessica in ten, and Cameron and Darius in last. And teams must now make their way to the Quavos de, de Teote Wakan uh, to find their next clue. And at the Quavos, uh, it's a hours operation. Yay! Well, it's, a, it's the classic season premiere uh, sign-up sheet where they, they always do after the first couple of tasks in all the older seasons to split teams up in three separate groups for the last task and a half that'll actually count for the day. And there's four teams, Dana and Matt, Kurt and Brody, Durr and the Drooler, and Sherry and Cole leaving at half seven. Uh, Zach and Rachel, Tokels and Corey, Martin Hagen and Scott and Blair at 7.40. And the models, Darius and Cameron, and Bernie and Ashley leaving at 7.50. And it's a roadblock, which is who wants to pick up the pieces in this weaker task than the detour. And in this roadblock, one team member must find the 13 pieces that make up a mask in the cave by sifting through dirt and build the mask to get their next clue. It's like I didn't uh, mind this task. It's a hard task to speak about, though, because it's so visual and not that interesting to talk about. That's the problem. It's like the Amazing Race 5 Egyptian Pyramid task meets the Amazing Race 25 Morocco uh, puzzle traversing roadblock. It's like if you combine those two elements together, this is pretty much what you would get. It was a good task, it's just one of the more difficult tasks to have to speak about, basically. And it's too bad that Ashley didn't uh, do this task, because I'm sure there would have been something something in the cave that would have, you know, there would have been like a rogue spark that would have gone off around her uh, like a blade blade, just like the firecracker did uh, the night before. You just wanted to be the first to talk about Beyblades this week, didn't you, after I beat you to it last time? Yes. <laughs> Uh, so it's Kurt, Matt, Durr, Sherry, Tokels, Zach, Scott, Marty, Darius, Jessica, and Bernie doing the roadblock. And Sherry and Durr are both scared of cave. As Brian Heideck would say, they are stir cavey. What? <laughs> I haven't heard that. It's a it's a quote from Survivor Thailand where Brian references being stir cavey after hanging around in in the cave uh, shelter for too many days. And oh, okay. And. Sherry pulls the Haley Memorial moments of having a wonky helmet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even pick that up on my first watch, and I was flicking through trying to find banners. I went past it and went, did Sherry just pull a Haley? Because I need to screen cap that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and did you hear how loud Matt was breathing on the on the audio? It, it was really loud when you're watching him talk on the scene where he's like, ooh, ooh. Death and rot. That impression just sounded very <laughs> Rupert Burnham. Who the fuck voted for me? Did he actually swear? He didn't swear yes, in the he did. show, did he? I, did I, he really? When Johnny Fairplay tried to take him out, I can't yeah. remember who got voted out instead. It, it might have been Savage, actually. Um, there was one point where the first scene was them coming back to camp as the merged tribe, and um, Rufus started a witch hunt and said, Who the fuck voted for me? John! You snake motherfucker! He, he might not have said snake motherfucker. Sandra did call him that a lot. but Yeah, that sounds like something more that Sergeant Dokes from uh, Dexter would say. Um, and just to make the task interesting, there are two different mask colours and some decoy pieces in there as well. 
decoys, Lois, decoys, which is very Amazing Race 9-esque, actually, with having the, what is it, the missing arm piece that they had that completely tripped up Dave and Laurie. And for some reason, Scott searches outside for drums and also drops, like, half of his pieces on the grass just to make life yeah. easy for himself. I like when he wandered outside and knocked on the gate and said, is this a drum? Is this a drum? <laughs> Are you a candelabra? <laughs> yeah. And then, he, uh, and then he did have to pick up the pieces, which then tricked, uh, was it Brittany that did the roadblock or Jessica? Jessica. Jessica, yeah. With Jessica being like, oh, maybe he's picking up tiny little drums. <laughs> oh. And then she tried to dig through the pile of dirt as well that they left out there probably as a spare. I'm thinking, how delusional are you two? This was not a good oh. task for either of those people. <laughs> it's, the, it's the blind leading the blind. <gasps> It was funny. It was comical. And Marcy cuts her finger as well, and we only see, like, one thing of that. That was a lot of... That was a, quite a bit of blood. She did a pretty good job. What'd she even cut herself on? Was it the mask, or...? I'd say it would the... be the pieces of um, ceramic or whatever they had. Oh, so it wasn't like a, you know, like a jigsaw puzzle piece. It was actually a ceramic piece that could do a little bit of damage yeah. to you if you're not careful. And do you think that the editors were throwing a little bit of shade at Aaron and Jocelyn. Well, just this whole edit, I can, you know, this they had a weird edit for this episode because at the start they had the intro that was they had the shortest intro out of all eleven teams with just the whole hashtag snap snap slay, and then and then you know with Aaron contemplating the penalty later on, and then even though they are first to the detour clue box, they're shown just chatting up with Phil as opposed to opening up the clue that you know viewers could take a negative interpretation of that by saying, no, they're not focused on the race. And then Jocelyn having, you know, some sort of uh, Spanish speaking background that wasn't really showing off at all. So yeah, they didn't really get the most flattering edit uh, in the premiere. I mean, I know that I'm sort of not biased against them because I was supporting them a few weeks ago, but I'm sort of predispositioned to pick up on negative moments from them. But there were Mm -hmm. a couple of bits of shade that the editors were throwing that even if I wasn't looking out for these moments, I probably would have picked up on them. It's stuff like Jocelyn saying outside, oh, Erin won't give up, and the editor's immediately cutting to Erin and Sherry contemplating taking the penalty. Yeah. That is I didn't catch shade that shade thrown, because there is less than a second between those two lines. <laughs> if you go back and watch it, <laughs> they're all talking outside, and Jocelyn says, oh, Erin won't give up, and they immediately cut to Erin saying... Do you want to take the penalty? <laughs> and it is properly shade thrown and it did make me chuckle. Because that is classic editing. Um, and there's a bit later where they get the only negative, really negative scene of the entire episode when Aaron's being really snarky towards the uh, the taxi driver on the way to the pit stop. Oh yeah, his speedometer's broken. He's just on a casual drive. She goes one step short of giving him an eye roll, which I of course would have screen capped because you know any eye rolls tend to be funny and it's Dana and Matt who leave the roadblock first with Tokels and Corey in second Zach and Rachel in third and Darius and Cameron under edited in fourth seriously they did not say a single thing since they left for Mexico and they got some I mean they got some footage I mean they still got the intro with they actually gave them a, a fairly in-depth personal story I would say at the start with referencing the you know the parents who had uh gone to Harvard and then homeschooled them. And then this, the bit with Martin Hagen, that was a pretty amusing scene. And then 
they actually discussed a little bit at length of the pit stop about how they climbed from dead last to being by the end of the round. So I think they could actually be around for a while. They were seriously under-edited. They just disappeared off the face of the earth for like half an hour of this episode. Though. Yes. But uh, yeah, with they actually proved that because they're the youngest... They're the youngest team overall in the entire U.S. version of the Amazing Race, and they and they show that they're fairly well rounded overall, I think. And then with Matt, I didn't know if he would be able to handle a puzzle like this, and he actually did at first. So those two teams will probably be going pretty far. Uh, Bernie and Ashley left in fifth, with Kurt and Brody in sixth, Brittany and Jessica in seventh, and Martin Hagen in eighth. Uh, Durr and the Drooler left in ninth, Sherry and Cole in tenth, and Scott and Blair in last. And teams must now head to the Museo Sumaga, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in may be eliminated. And, as I mentioned, Erin uh, is mean to the taxi driver. What did she do? Did I miss this? She was just sitting in the back backseat bitching about him, basically. Oh. Saying he was driving too slowly, saying his speedometer was um, broken. Oh, that's right, and the eyes she gave to the camera. Oh, actually, there was an amusing moment involving... Aaron and Jocelyn as they uh, left the robot with Aaron going after she figures it all out and gets the clue and then it's just Sherry and Scott left. How Aaron goes back to Sherry and says, oh, can I help you? And then Sherry just brushes it off saying, no, y- you just need to go, sweetie. Just completely blasting Aaron for like, oh, I figured it out. I can help you solve it because right now you're doing terrible. <laughs> and then, and then as, she the left, others, she, as she left, she shouted back, I love your parents. Yes, that was the other part, too. <laughs> Good luck, I love your parents. And everyone else saying, yeah, the, thanks. <laughs> the only other thing I forgot to mention was that when Tokels left the roadblock, he shouted, goodbye, friends! Yeah. They're all being super nice to each other, even if there's a, b- a bit of uh, shielded uh, shade. And Dana and Matt were the first team to arrive, and they won... Who knows? Supposedly there was a cash prize. There was a cash prize. It was a secret scene, apparently. But there was oh. no prize actually aired, which is hilarious. So, so how much money did they win? Five grand each, I think, was what I heard, but it's uncorroborated right now. And Corey and Tokels were second, with Zach and Rachel in third. And apparently they're not allowed to do magic on the race. That's a shame. With the worst selfie shot uh, <laughs> I think I've seen. The CGI on that was shite. <laughs> like, even before they did the effects to make him disappear, just, the, I looked at the CGI and went, that is crap. I have a lot of praise for the editors. Surprising me with how good this episode was. But seriously, guys, that that was crap. Must try harder on your Photoshop. <laughs> um, and Darius and Cameron were fourth, with Curtin Brody in fifth, uh, Bernie and Ashley in sixth, Brittany and Jessica in seventh, uh, Marty and Hagen in... Sherry and Cole were not 10th, they were 9th. Uh, Dirt and the Drooler were 10th. And Scott and Blair were the last team to arrive, but they were not eliminated. Now, Logan, you may rant. Ugh, non-elimination on the first leg. The only reason why they did this is because the you know CBS knows that if they eliminate any of their teams, then a bunch of their core followers that follow that specific team won't be watching. So why not have a non-elimination leg and then carry all of those extra temporary viewers to the second week and boost up your ratings artificially? But actually, there was one funny moment with Scott, Scott and Blair after 
After uh, Scott finishes the roadblock, uh, Blair says, You did so good. The last team just came out. Yeah, the last team left like three minutes ago. You're, you're absolute dead last. You did wonderful. <laughs> you, you did great, Dad. You were just a little <laughs> bit worse than everyone else. <laughs> I tell you what, the casual fans would be really happy they didn't go home. I'm really happy they didn't go home. They were awesome. Well, same. I I don't want them to go. But you know what? I knew, I watched the episode, but I actually, when they were last, I knew it was a non-elimination because I read somewhere that Blair gave away some of her stuff at the the mat, gave it to the, uh, what do you call them, the person that's standing there? Greeter. Yes, the greeter. She gave them a, a curling wand, goggles, and her sleeping bag. So she obviously thought, right, I don't need all this stuff. You can have it. So you're not going to give away just a few things if you're eliminated. You'd probably just give your entire bag. But, yeah. It's the Blair treasure hunt around the world. <laughs> it's geocache. It's back to the unaired Major Race Canada detour of geocaching. There's a curling iron here in Mexico City. Um some lip gloss in Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure whether there was confirmation of the speed bump returning, but no, if it is. I think Phil mentioned it. He said there was a speed bump. No, Phil didn't mention it. The only person who mentioned it was Blair saying, we're ready for a speed bump. I assume that means there's got to be a speed bump. Now, Phil did not actually say the words, you, you'll you have to overcome a speed bump next leg, which hopefully means that they bring back the uh, the handicap from last season. And also, Blair had a wonderful quote at the end, which is, who knows if we'll be able to do anything like this again. He's not like 80. You're going to have enough chance to travel with your father still. He's he's in his 50s. He's not like Mel White or Meredith and Gretchen. So that's not the end of their days. <laughs> he's not going to be keeling over. The funny thing with Scott and Blair is, I thought they would be like Gary and Mallory clones. But the reason why I think Scott struggled so much at that roadblock is because... He doesn't think like a gamer or, or think in uh, meta as if, uh, oh, well, would would production make us go outside to find the drums and thinking of all the logistics like that? Because with Gary and Mallory, Gary competed in marathons, and I can't remember if he did an Ironman or not, but he's sort of in that really competitive gaming spirit. While with Scott, his professions aren't, he doesn't do marathons and stuff uh, outside of his work, so he's not quite in the same gamer gaming mentality that Gary was. Yeah, Gary would have rocked that roadblock. Gary is the unsung hero of that team. I love Mallory, but I also love Gary. Because you could not, as 24 proved, you could not have a racer like Mallory on without having a racer like Gary with her. Mallory provides all the entertainment comedy, and then Gary, uh, you know, does all the hard work to ensure that we get that entertainment value for several weeks, if not a whole season at a time. And Logan's blog has just covered my favourite Mallory moment of all time, which is the Snapple reaction. <laughs> it's, really? just, it's just wonderful. <laughs> the stink face she gives it. <laughs> you get to be the first to try it. Oh, joy. <laughs> and as is traditional now for some reason I know we bitch about this every season but the, instead of having a next time on the Amazing Race trailer we have a this season on the Amazing Race I didn't watch it I skipped the I didn't see the I intentionally went out of my way to not watch all the highlights I decided to do that for this season I won't mention anything then because as I was going to say there is one part of this bit that 
I have put a note next to saying, with a soundbite spoiling where one team gets to. There is actually a soundbite in that next se- uh, this season on the Amazing Race trailer that says what country they're in. Yeah, that's why I did not watch the M clip, because they've been doing this for Amazing Race 26 and 27, and I found that while it's been fun to analyze it, um, it, it did give away too much to where we couldn't really do any prediction stuff, because, well... We kind of really try as much as we can to read into things. Having said that, there is a wonderful return of a very similar task to one of my favourites ever, that I will not say any more on, but it involves one of the funniest moments in Amazing Race history. It won't be a switchback, but it's very similar, and it looks like it's in the same place. And Michelle probably knows what I'm referring to if she's seen the, uh, the ne- this season trailer. Yeah, I think I do. I'll confirm it later, Michelle, put it that way. Uh, so we've got a couple more questions from Anthony Williams, who says, How much better than expected did you find the premiere, and do you think the season will live up to that? I was pleasantly surprised. I think it was really up. I don't know. They tend to be all firing on all cylinders, and they were just, you know, if they could have high-fived each other, they probably would have. But they were just really happy with each other, and I, I don't know. I found it to be really positive. I don't think we'll see a really... A season with lots of animosity and U-turns and all that stuff. But I'm more bullish on it than I was a few weeks ago when we did the preview. Bullish? Really? Unintentional pun there, Logan. <laughs> I think it wasn't the absolute worst premiere, but I know this season's not going to overall cater to my specific taste. So if the rest of the season plays out as this week did, we're looking at a season that's going to be in the bottom half overall but not at the absolute bottom. I think it's going to be one of those seasons that we're probably just going to forget and just uh, brush off as just one of those special weird theme seasons that the uh, producers try to attempt. Uh, Munib Khan says, better premiere in Mexico City, season three or season 28? Season three's season premiere in Mexico City was probably about 10 times better than this. When you think of all the crazy stuff that happened in that episode and the correct pacing and all of the great characters... There wasn't anybody, you know, screaming at the top of their lungs at a mariachi band or taking selfies, you know. You had uh, Heather and Eve, you know, begging for money in the airport and then uh, collapsing flat on their face uh, on a donkey ride. And then Eve freaking out in the parachute. And then you have all of Trumel and Talisha's wacky adventures. And then Ken and Gerard facing off against Eric and Drew for the fast forward. So there was just... Uh, so much more in that premiere in the Mason Race 3 than there was for this season. Um, and a final question from Anthony Williams. He says, how funny would it have been if Aaron had taken the penalty, then lost a foot race with Sherry and Cole? <laughs> um, I would have chuckled purely because of the hilarious editing that came into that. But I don't actually have a personal grudge against anyone on this season. It's just the shit that they've thrown towards me. Insert Cole smile here. So anything else to add about the premiere? Uh, no. I think we covered it all. So yeah, thank you for listening to this UR Team Noble podcast. You can join us next week to recap episode two. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, at RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages, MJ Harmstone, LogSuperCocky, and Bear33333. Bye. Bye. Peace. Now you're going to do a hashtag, Logan. Oh, oh, I have to do a ha- But there was no hashtags on screen. Do I still have to do hashtags then? Damn right you do! Oh, oh <laughs> screw, okay, um, uh, jeez, I, I don't even know, I'm hashtag surfing on toilet, uh, hashtag, uh, oh, um, hashtag, 
you realise um, this is all going to be kept in the edit because this is the sort of shit I love. <laughs> um, hashtag castrated bulls. Hashtag 250. Peace. Duh. Logan. <laughs>